Hello, welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you? Good. Welcome to Noonday Prayer. And uh, this is Noonday Prayer what? Yell them to me. 19. Noonday Prayer 19. It's like we love God or something. That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what day this is on fasting, but we'll be done next Sunday, a week and a few days. So we're not far. Glory to God. And uh, y'all have done awesome. Y'all have done so good. And most of y'all have been here every single day. What a great thing. You're doing so good. That not it something how the consistency starts to grow inside of you. The consistency of going after the Lord and hearing the word preach. It's like you walk out of this, you're going to be a different person. It's just different. So we've been talking uh, this whole time about just getting prepared for this year, for 2018, leading up to the Kickstart 2018 conference. Uh, got some good stuff out there today on that. It's going to be awesome. We've got some gifts. We're going to give away the uh, door hangers. We'll be here tomorrow. We're going to hang some uh, door hangers there. Listen, if you want to advance the kingdom of God, sometimes it's as simple as just some feet on the ground and hang a door hanger so that people... We're doing that this Saturday at 10 o'clock here at Boomerang. Tell us, shoot us a note. Tell us you're going to be here. We want as many feet on the ground that we can have. Come join. It doesn't matter if you go here or not. We're advancing the kingdom of God. We'd love to have your partnership in that. And uh, we've got prizes we're going to give away during Kickstart. Uh, lots of cool stuff. And a uh, $1,000 prize on the last day. Going to pay somebody's bills. It's going to be awesome. $1,000 worth of bills. And you're welcome to give towards that. There's a link if you're watching, if you're here, there's uh, the baskets that we'll take up an offering later on. But basically, we're preparing to really help people move into this year the way that they should. Amen? And uh, so, anyway, that's happening. Kickstart will be next week. It'll be every night, Monday through Friday, from 6.30 and then Sunday morning at 10.30. And then we'll also have noonday prayer next week as well, just pressing into the presence of God. You know, I thought that we'd get through all these topics and I thought, my gracious Lord, how am I going to have so many topics for all these noonday prayers? And all of a sudden, we're here at the end and I hadn't gotten to everything he gave to me. So, amen. But... Uh, we're going to talk again today about humility, and I'm going to try to get close to wrapping up. Amen. <laughs> and uh, but Father, we just thank you. We enter into your gates with thanksgiving. Glory to God. We're stepping right through. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. We praise you. We love you. And Lord, we just worship you. We praise you. We enter into your courts with praise, Father. We enter into your courts with praise. Lord, we just praise you. We worship you. Thank you, Father. Lord, we long to walk in your presence and never leave. To be right with you and never be distant. Not even an inch. But just be there with you. That's our heart's desire. Lord, help us to step into your presence and stay there this year, this week, for the rest of our lives, for the rest of eternity. Lord, let us walk in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Glory to God. So uh, today is humility, what? Six? Uh, wow, that sounded like a hashtag. Humility, what? Um, hashtag. And uh, <laughs> hashtag. Uh, anyway, do what? The number sign, yeah, is the hashtag. That's true. That's a valid point. Thank you. We called everybody up to 2018 now, so if they weren't there, amen. The pound sign. It was also known as the pound sign. Thank you. I got a thumbs up. Glory to God. All right. So just in case I mention these, we're being funny today. I don't know how it's happening. It's just, it's just happening. Like some people are not thinking it's funny at all, but they're just party poopers. They're, they're being Scrooges. They should laugh. All right, so in case I reference these later, just so you know, uh, this blue circle represents you and everything that you know. Although it's not really a circle, it looks more like a uh, stone and, um, or, an, or an egg that's got issues. But let's just say it was a circle for all purposes, right? And uh, this circle represents you 
and it represents everything that you know. And God exists in what you know, but he also exists, this purple circle, which is more along the lines of a circle, uh, that represents God. And I'll tell you, that's a not to proportion, because if we had the depths and the heights of who God is, and we actually showed it, it'd probably take up this whole building uh, or more, maybe the whole continent or world or more. So anyway, this is not in proportion, but just imagine he's out there beyond you, right? Well, we're comfortable with things that we know. And God is always drawing us to himself, right? And so one of the things that he's doing is he's always expanding our knowledge and drawing us beyond our comfort zone. It takes humility to say, I don't know everything. And humility is, an, is a necessity. We talked about yesterday, hunger and humility is something God kept saying. Hunger and humility, hunger and humility, hunger and humility. Imagine if you were hungry, but you didn't humble yourself to say, I've got room to grow, right? Then all of a sudden, with hunger only, you'd just be very unsatisfied, right? But with humility, you can actually be hungry and start satisfying that hunger. I've got a sneeze. All right. And uh, I was fighting a sneeze that whole time. Glory to God. And so we need hunger and humility. What if you had humility? Okay, I'm humble, I'm humble, but I had no hunger for God. Well, those things will add to each other. The more humble I am, the hungrier I should get over time. The hungrier I get, the more humble I should get over time. But if I'll just go ahead and combine those things, get hungry and humble at the same time, according to the word, man can we grow. Man, can we do some big things. It's just awesome. So you see this over here too. This represents uh, your average person uh, not really going after God, right? And this green represents, I'm talking about an average person in an American society. They've got a lot of stuff that actually is right and godly. But they've got a whole lot of stuff too that's not godly and, and worldly. Yet, I've found over time that most people believe that they're doing everything right minus a couple of little things, right? Most people have a couple of little things that they're still not doing right and they're okay with. Well, we should work on that, but hey, here's a lot. You've got a big old chunk that's not according to the word. And so here's the problem with that. If you think that all of this is godly, but it's actually ungodly, it look, you look like a big old hypocrite, right? And everybody knows it except for you because pride is saying, I'm right. But it also completely diminishes your ability to grow. Right here is, you know, the ladder of maturity. Uh, if zero being off the ladder is de completely devilish, being up here uh, on, the, on the 10th rung, you know, on the scale of 1 to 10, looks like Jesus most Christians think that they're around a six or a seven. And I told you yesterday, in my, in my opinion, most Christians are honestly on rung one or two. And some are three or four. Most pastors are on three or four, right? I told you, I think I'm maybe a three or a four. That's what I said, right? And here's why we talked about why, because... Jesus said, you'll do these things and greater. We, he, he's walking on water. He's raising the dead. Where's the people doing that? You, know, you can't say you're up here at a seven or eight if you're not seeing some miraculous on a regular basis. If there's not something that goes along with this. You see, Moses, Old Testament, Old Covenant. We have a new covenant, a better covenant. And what does it say about us? And here's Moses in the Old Covenant being so close to God, without Jesus, he starts to glow from the glory. Yeah. Where's those Christians, right? Shouldn't some of that be happening up in here, right? Yeah. You know, this same glory in the new covenant is when, you know, they walked by and sh the shadow, yeah. these shadows started healing people, right? That's that same glory. It wasn't evident to their eyes, but it was yeah. evident in manifestation, right? In other words, that's why I'm not afraid to say, hey, look, I'm, I'm probably down here. 
You know, now other people need to understand that I'm probably down here too. And if they do that, now they just broke the glass ceiling of growth and they can grow, right? That's what humility does. Without humility, we keep thinking we're something when we actually just keep averaging down here somewhere on two, three, or four. We keep thinking we're something when we got a whole lot of ungodliness in our lives. Only humility. And what happens? One deception. If you've got that much uh, ungodliness and you don't challenge it, what's it going to do? It's going to grow. It will grow. Your godliness will go backwards because you are not actively applying faith and humility to judge me so that I'm not judged, right? I need to judge myself so that I'm not judged. We need to judge ourselves so that we're not judged. So if we're not actually shining the light, literally taking the time in humility to shine the light and let the Holy Spirit shine the light and point out some things in our life, then the ungodliness will grow. Our job isn't our job to have the godliness grow and push down the ungodliness. The only way you do that, there's a trap there. I talked about it in one of them. There's a trap. The only way that you can do that is get in humility. You don't get in humility, you won't grow. You won't grow. You might grow in factual knowledge, but you won't grow in the spirit because humility is the only thing that unlocks that. So what we talked about is we have kind of a glass ceiling that we cannot grow beyond. Right. We're going to keep tapping on that until we pull in some humility. Right. We've got to have humility that shows us those areas, opens up the growth. And we're, in other words, we've got to open up humility to grow beyond where we've been. This is my thing. I was tired of being average. I'm tired of being even just a little above average. I want what God says is normal. Do you want what God says is normal? He says it like this. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When I said yesterday, there's nobody walking around in heaven with a cut off arm, right? Why? You can't be around the presence of God and be sick. You can't be around him. He is healing. Jehovah Rapha, right? The Lord, my healer. You can't be around him. His will is done perfectly in heaven. And he told us to pray and believe and see it that the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. That means in heaven, all those arms that are cut off, that are miss, people missing limbs, what's happening to them? Zoom, it's growing right out, right? Healing, 100% divine health. Where is that on the earth if he told us to believe that way? There's something more. I was tired of being average. I was tired of being a little above average. I don't want to be, I don't want to be good you know, in the world's eyes. I don't want to be great in the world's eyes. I don't want to be awesome in the world's eyes. I want to be good in God's eyes. That is that your heart cry too? That takes humility. You got to back up and say, I'm going after it. In that humility, it'll drive you into some things. That humility and that hunger, it will drive you into some things like that. So um, <clears throat> I had a note from yesterday the Lord just reminded me of. Yes. Here, let me give you an example. One of the things that we talked about was, uh, let's look at James 4, 6, the key verse that we've used. But he gives, God gives a greater grace, a greater grace. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Right. He gives not just grace, but at the beginning of the verse, it says in that humility, he not just he doesn't only just give grace. He gives greater grace. Right. So there's standards and levels of grace and you move into more through humility. I need more grace in my life operating and manifesting. Right. We need more grace in our lives operating and manifesting. He gives it. And how does he give it? Through humility. If I'm not in humility, what am I in? Pride. It's, the, it's either or. I'm either in humility or pride, one way or the other. And if I'm not in humility and growing in it, then I'm going the other way in pride. All right. So here's the thing. And what does it say about being proud? He is opposed to the proud. In other words, pride. If I'm not in humility, 
I'm instantly in pride. If I'm not in humility, I instantly place myself going against God. Christians, non-Christians alike. If I'm not in humility, I'm going against God. I'm not going to win that. I'm not going to win that, right? So I want to make sure that I take the time to get into humility. Now, when you go over, we looked at a bunch of uh, scriptures on that early on. Pride buries potential. Humility multiplies potential. Humility multiplies potential. Yesterday we talked about in James chapter 5 how when people come together and they confess their sins one to another. Doesn't that take some humility to do that? And yet there's a grace that's released. The word says, makes this promise, they will be healed and their sins forgiven. What, what calls the grace to be released? Humility in confession, Right? Humility and confession. Let me show you something. How do you know if you've got some of these areas operating in your life? How do you know? What are the indicators of this? What's the indicators that I'm not six, seven, eight, or nine on the ladder, right? Yeah. What's the indicators that I, I still got some growth areas? What are those indicators? Well, let's turn uh, to Matthew 11. I think that's it. And if it's not, we'll go to the right place eventually. Amen. Matthew 11, verse 28. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is Jesus talking. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Now, first thing is, is that a promise? It is. All right. So there's an answer when we're feeling heavy laden and we're feeling weary. What does weary mean? It means we've been worn on, right? If these jeans start getting a hole in them, it's because I have been wearing on them until they got weary and they got threadbare and the holes started showing up. The same thing happens in our life. When we start allowing the wear and tear of life to rub on us, all of a sudden we'll get weary, we'll get tired, right? We'll get, we're heavy laden. But he makes a promise. If you find yourself in that position, come to me. All right, right here. Come to me, he says. Come to me. Come to me. He doesn't say, keep on going, acting like you're a big super Christian. He doesn't say that. He says, come to me. In other words, and listen, trying to put on a big face without actually coming to him in humility in our heart. This is a humility approach. This is an approach of humility, not an approach of pride or ego or look at me. I'm a leader, right? This is Lord, I need your help. You know, if I'm going through something and I need his help, I come to him in humility and I say, Lord, I need your help. And I'm not above needing help. I need help. This guy right here, right? <laughs> this guy needs help. I need his help. Why? Because I can't do this without him. Yeah. I need his help. I start feeling the weight of ministry. I need help, yeah. right? I need that help. And, and I'm not to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm doing my best, but Lord, this is just too much. I, Lord, I don't know what to do. This, that, is that humility? No, 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 no. no. This, is, this is humility. Lord, Lord, I need your help. I can't do this without you. I need you. I want you. By faith, I have you. And I thank you. Glory to God. That's humility. I need you. I, and see, when I say that, I'm saying, if I don't have you, this thing's done. Because I can't do it by myself. See that life, your life, life, 
If I don't have you in life, Lord, this thing's done. I'm over. I recognize that. I need you. Not only do I need you, I, I want you. <laughs> I want you in my life. I want you helping me, right? By faith, Lord, I know you promised it that you will. You will make it easy and light. You will make it. Lord, by faith, I know I have you. I have you. And now, in the same faith, I thank you for it. I don't forget to thank him for it because I know who it came from, right? This is humility. And so when he says, come to me, all that's wrapped up in there when you take the full uh, counsel of the word. It's all wrapped up in that. Lord, all right, Lord, I need you. It's not coming. This is how a lot of people approach God. They just, a lot of times they're like, are you going to help me, Lord? Are you going to help me, Lord? I mean, I'm doing everything here. I'm doing everything. There's a story like this, just in the, just very similar to that in the Bible. Somebody that was very weary and heavy laden. So much so that they, she interrupted Jesus' message. Y'all remember her? Martha, Martha, Martha. You are worried about many things. But the one thing that's needful, Mary's chosen. Mary said, I need you. I need you. Same thing, humility. Don't you think Martha thought she was being humble by getting up to serve everybody? But was she? She was doing the exact opposite thing. Most of the time when we're in trouble, here's what we need. We're, we're, oh, are you going to help me? Are you going to help me? Can't you see? Can't you see that I'm struggling over here? And see, we might not say that. We might not think that. But in our heart, that's what's really going on. When are you going to show up to help me? He's already shown up to help us. When are we going to change our attitude? See, if we're not humble, we're in opposition. And so we're sitting here in outside of humility in opposition to God, wondering why he's not helping us. We have placed ourselves against him. This is not his way. It's when we stop and say, forget everything else. I need you. I need you. Lord, I need you. I can't do it without you. I need you. I want you. Oh, I have you. And I thank you. And out of that intimacy, out of that relationship, out of that humility, we come to him and he gives us rest. He gives us rest. All right. So then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. There it is again. Another promise. You will. If you'll do this. But notice he says. All right. Think about us doing the job. Doing life. When are you going to come help me? What are we essentially saying? When are you going to help me with my yoke? Well, who, who said that you had a yoke? Who said that? He said, take my yoke, take the yoke of Christ on him. He's not obliged. He's not obliged to carry the yoke that you created. He said, I will carry the one that's mine. Take my purposes. Take my reasoning on you. Stop trying to carry the yoke that you have created for yourself. It stinks. He says, take my yoke. What does that mean? That means his ways, his purposes, his pursuits, his ideas, his righteousness, his kingdom. Seek these first and all these things will be added to you. In other words, seek him. So again, we have the promise of rest, but it's through humility we come to him, not through trying to handle it our own. Not through trying to handle it at our own. And then... Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So here's the question. Here's the thing. If we will take his yoke upon us, what will be the result of our life? Easy and light. 
So what is the indicator that we've got some areas messed up? What's the indicator? If we have a lack of easy and light, there's something missing, something broken. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't be in situations. It just means that if you find yourself in a situation, that thing will get handled and your heart and attitude and mind will be right on it, not wrong. You know, most of y'all know, you've heard the story when Jesus was in the boat. Two different groups of people, one was Jesus, one was disciples, two different complete attitudes towards that storm. One, we're dying. The other one, peace, be still. One was in easy and light. The other one was in fear and torment. Heavy, weary, heavy laden. One was right, one was wrong. It all came down to attitude and godliness in their heart. One was walking in godliness, one was it. Same situation, exact same situation. So that's why you can see some Christian and they don't look like they're carrying anything. But yet, man, they're carrying some huge, huge loads, but they're doing it in Christ. The way to know that if you, this is a great indicator, it's a symptom of walking in godliness in this area, is if everything is easy and light. And if it's not easy and light, then either you're not drawing on the power of God or you're not carrying his yoke. We're to carry his yoke and in that carrying, we draw on his power to carry it for us, right? And so it looks like you and I are doing something major, miraculous and everything else, but really it's just God, our big brother, holding up all the weight for us. But, it, you know, we did a thing in Impact You last week and it, it, it's one of those things where we're sitting there and it looks like, man, you know, how would it look if I was carrying 3,000 pounds on my back right now? What would that look like? That's exactly what happens in the spirit when I take his yoke upon me and cast my cares on him. I'll be able to carry stuff the normal person won't be able to carry. And I'm still walking in easy and light just as if it was 10 pounds. Because I'm not carrying it. In humility, I've come to Jesus And all I've learned is I've just learned how to apply faith and grab a hold of that supernatural strength and draw it into the physical. That's all. It's him doing the work. Remember, Jesus said this. He said, it's the father who does the work. It's the father who does the work. Are you doing the work or is the father doing the work? See, this is this is the thing. And people need to understand the difference between this and coming to him in humility gives us the ability to walk in supernatural. If you're just joining us right now, absolutely, positively, when this is over, go back to the beginning and watch the beginning till right now. And then when you have watched the beginning till right now, welcome back. Good to see you. Glad you caught up here. Amen. So um, one of the things, this is the indicator. Is it easy and light? If it's not easy and light, it's not the world and it's not your family It's not your friends who are making it heavy. It's you. It's you. Humility accepts that and says, okay, Lord, help me see it. Help me see where I'm missing it. Help me see where I'm missing it. Help me see that. That's what humility says. If it's not easy and light, that's where it's at. All right. So... Here's one of the things that humility will solve most of your problems. Uh, I figured an average of 90% of your problems will be solved instantly with humility. And here's how. In Philippians 4, 8, and 9, uh, verse 8 says, Whatever things are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, good report, if there's anything excellent or worthy of praise, dwell on these things. These things you have learned and received and seen and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Right. So what is that saying? It's saying whatever is worthy of praise. If it's not worthy of praise, you cast that thing down immediately. You take that thought captive and you cast it down. All right. Now watch this. Listen to this. How many negative thoughts will be from God? None, right? 
How, how many negative thoughts? So who are negative thoughts from? Ultimately, they stem from the devil. Now, our flesh, who is the father of our corrupted flesh? The devil was, right? So in our flesh, it doesn't have to be the devil himself or one of his demons coming up and going zap, 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 negative thoughts all the time. It, it's already pre-built into our flesh. So some of it can be demonic, but there's a whole lot of it. This is just our flesh, just our flesh. We've got to learn, learn that, right? Because a lot of times we want to be a devil and he may have been the original root of it, but we're carrying it with us because of sin uh, that we have had in our flesh before. So you just recognize that stuff. But regardless, if you have a negative thought, who was the originator of that? The devil. All right. Every one of them, every negative thought. Yeah. Yeah. All right. How many negative thoughts should you keep? None. How many negative thoughts should you give power to? None. How do we give thoughts power? We meditate on them. We think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Yeah. Go. Oh, we put it down. It comes back up later today. Oh, yeah, I know. I got to do something about that. Who says you've got to do something about that? Who's giving you that thought? Who's, who's yoke? Who's, who's the one who tells us what to do? Whose leading do we follow? Who says you've got to do something about that? If the Holy Spirit didn't tell you you've got to do something about that, you don't have to do anything about that. Why take the care of that? I, I, I can't tell you how much this will simplify life. It makes, it makes stuff so easy and light. It makes it so easy in life. Who said you got to handle it? Who said you've got to come up with the money by that due date? No. Now, the Bible, through the Holy Spirit, tells you that you need to get out there and work. You know, it tells you you need to be about that. But who says that you're the one with the responsibility to cover that? If, you, if you're working, you're being diligent, and you need a miracle, that's on God's area. Unless he tells you something specifically to go do, then you don't have to worry about that. You just got to be obedient. You got so that's a negative thought trying to get you to take action and take weight on. All of a sudden, I'm in weight, and where am I at? I'm dwelling down here, and that's a highlight that we're outside of that. Right? Here's the other thing. What do you do with negative thoughts? Then you throw them away instantly. Has anybody ever had a negative thought that their family would pass away tragically in some, you know, anybody ever had those thoughts come to them? I have before. Used to, there was a period of time, man, the devil was attacking me with those, right? No, you just got to cast them down. I'm not thinking on that at all. You know what that'll do? That'll drive you to fear. That'll drive you to worry. It'll cause the protection of God because if you're in fear, you're not going to be in faith over the issue. And now the faith that was back in protection no longer backs your protection. The devil throws the attack and what happens? That exact thing comes in. That's how it works. So you've got to take that thought insulin. That ain't happening. In the name of Jesus, no evil will befall my family. No, no evil will come near my dwelling. Every fiery dart will be quenched. Every weapon of the enemy will come to nothing. Every weapon form will come to nothing in Jesus' name, you see. And it doesn't matter if it's on healing or provision or protection or restoration or deliverance. Same thing. And what are we doing? We're humbling ourselves to the word. That's what we're doing. We're humbling ourselves to what God's already said. Instead of, see, if I keep thinking about how bad things are going to happen, I'm actually in pride coming against God because he said the contrary already. He's made it for everyone a promise. So I'm actually in pride if I think on those things. Now I'm in opposition to God. Wondering why God doesn't help me and protect me. This is, all right, what do we do with negative thoughts? We throw them away instantly. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, listen to this. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. 
If it's coming up against God and the promises he's made, what? listen to his promises. What are his promises? All of his promises are yes and amen. Everyone you can find in the word, he's already said yes. Hey, Lord, can I? Yes. Hey, hey, Lord, I'm believing on this scripture right here where it says that, that I can have. Yes. Yes. He's already answered it before you can even ask it. He's answered. Yes. Amen. So be it. That's what amen means. Yes and amen. All of a sudden you start to see the character and nature of God. You're like, look, easy and light comes because it's like, he's already told me I can have this. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing, every lofty thought raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Listen to it in the New Living. 2 Corinthians 10.5. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Listen to the message. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of a life shaped by Christ. Ooh, I like that. Amen. And see, that's just us giving God place, humbling ourselves to things that he said. I want you to think about right now. Think right now. Man. I want you to think right now about... The problem, the biggest problem that you're facing right now. All right. You got it? All right. So first of all, are you facing it or is God facing it? That's the first question. Oh, man. Okay. So the second thing is this. God says he's always leading you to triumph in Christ. Triumph is already declared in that situation. He says that there is no situation, no temptation given unto man uh, that they're not prepared for. Me paraphrasing, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. But God is faithful and he will provide the way of escape, right? So what is he saying? Already, he's already got the solution in that problem. He's already got victory declared in that problem. His promises are yes and amen. And here's what I'm telling to you based off of the word and the promises of God already. It ain't a problem to God. He's already, he's not sweating your problem. It's done in his eyes. The question is, is it done in your eyes, in your heart, and in your mind? That's the issue. And all of a sudden, you can say, whoa, God's already solved this? I'm sitting back then. What do you have right there? Easy and light. All the details, you know, that we were talking about the other day, it's already solved. He's already got it figured out. No wait. No wait. That's humility. That humility towards his promises, it solves the majority of problems that you have. The majority, it solves them instantly. Most problems that people have are created by their own negative thinking that they walk out. Most of them are not like hell created towards you. It's just we believe the lie that this is going to be an issue. It's not going to be an issue. It's already, he's already leading me to victory. All I got to do is go after him, come to Jesus, take his yoke upon him, cast my cares on him. And if he tells me, sit at the ready in intimacy at the feet of Jesus. And if he tells me something to do, do it. If he doesn't tell me something to do, just sit here and... Hallelujah, Lord. Amen. Glory to God. That's humility. Do what he's already told us to do. But anything extra, all I got to do is what he's told me. If he hadn't told me, then, you know, that's it. Problems, a lot of time, you know, we just need to throw those thoughts away on them. I'm not saying that you never deal with problems. I'm saying that you take a completely different attitude into it and you don't let negative thoughts rule your thoughts and actions, right? 
even if it is a problem? What if, what if it was a problem? Uh, well, what would you want if the problem was you? So in other words, let, let's, say that, let's say that I'm causing you a problem. Well, if you were me causing the problem, what would you want? Mercy and forgiveness. Well, just that thought right there, if you'll act on that, generally solves the problem. Right? Most of the time, when people have problems with one another, if one of the parties was just getting mercy and forgiveness, there would be no issue. You know, the, even if it is a problem, first of all, give mercy and forgiveness. Second, take triumph, a t- triumph attitude into it. Know that it will work out for the best. God is always leading, right? The steps, the steps of the righteous are ordered, right? He's always leading them to triumph, right? He, he's being mindful of every, everything that we do. He's got it all planned out if we'll just listen to him. Listen, God, number three, know that God wants it solved too. Just think about the simplicity of that. He wants that solved too in your life. And he'll probably solve it for you. There's a whole bunch of problems that get solved. Think about this, humility. Humility truly makes Jesus our Lord. Humility truly makes Jesus our Lord. In John uh, chapter 6, we have the story. And it, in 48 through 69, he says, I'm the bread of life. He goes on down and then he says, truly, truly, I say to you in verse 53, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. And then he like drives it home, right? For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh, like, would you shut up already about the flesh and the blood? Don't you think the disciples right then were like, Jesus, you're losing everybody, right? Would you, would you stop it already? Like, I thought we were trying to like win some people here, right? And he just keeps on. He keeps on talking about the flesh and the blood and he's it. And you got to eat, eat his flesh and drink his blood. <laughs> Listen, these things he said in the synagogue, not on the mount, in the synagogue in Capernaum. Verse 60, therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, does this cause you to stumble? Like he's not letting off. You know, he's not letting off. You know, a lot of people think that the gospel is just like, oh, so, so sweet. It is sweet. But there's a reality to it and there's an edge to the word of God, right? And at times you don't feel that edge and other times you do. This is one of the times where they're feeling that edge, right? He says, what then if you see the son of man ascending to where he was before? It's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who don't believe. Then he says this uh, in verse 66, it says, as a result of this, many disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. What they operate in. This was the king of kings, the savior of the world. Did he have some tough words for him? For their flesh, yeah. What was being irritated was not the godly part of them. It was the flesh part. Remember, we talked about that verse, Hebrews 12, 11. It says, uh, let's go there real quick and then we'll come back to this. Uh, Hebrews 12, 11. Remember this because this is so important. So, so important. In our walk with humility. Hebrews 12, 11, All discipline for a moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Not some discipline, 
All discipline, all of it, for the moment seems to not be joyful, but sorrowful. Now, is he talking to the spirit man right here at the beginning? Or is he talking about the flesh? He's talking about the flesh. The spirit's going to agree with whatever uh, discipline and correction. He's talking about the flesh. In other words, what he's pointing out to us is that when, when Jesus comes and he puts his finger right on that area in your flesh, it's not going to feel good to your flesh. He's going to say, hey, right here, that's your issue, right? And if you don't recognize that, if you just get mad at them, you can be like these disciples who just walked away. He said, but if you'll give yourself to that discipline, those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. In other words, righteousness grows. Godliness grows. So what was Jesus doing right here? Right here, he's saying, boom, that's y'all's issue. Here's something that's truth. This is spirit and life. And they had a choice right then. Ooh, I don't like this. Am I going to humble myself or am I going to stay in pride? Same thing right here. Jesus basically said, hey, dudes, you're right here. You know, you're low on this totem pole right now. You're low on the ladder. I want you to come up here. And they go, ooh, I don't like him telling us that we're low. I'm gone. Same thing right here. They're right, they've come right to this line. What he just said, it was beyond what they were comfortable with, what they knew. And he's saying, I'm trying to draw you to me. And they had the choice. Am I going to humble myself to these words? Am I going to accept what my flesh doesn't like, but my spirit loves? Am I going to be humble in this moment and grow to that? Or am I going to be in pride and actually probably go backwards? So look at this, verse 66, John 6. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. Because he said words that their flesh disagreed with. Listen, they agreed more with their flesh than they did with God himself. And they walked away from Jesus. You think that's going to happen in the body of Christ? I do too. And here's the other thing. They agreed. They humbled themselves more to their flesh and the feelings of sorrow in their flesh than they humbled themselves to the words of Jesus Christ. Now we can look back on this and learn a lot, but listen, we, we've been doing this so many times in our life. And that's why we still got areas to work on. That's what we're changing. We're moving in humility. And then Jesus, he didn't let off. He, he, he brought that pressure. And then he's like, here, feel this. You want to go too? He added a little more. <laughs> he's like, you want to go too? I mean, effectively, it's like, you know, don't let the door hit you. That's effectively what he was saying. Everybody thinks Jesus was so... Jesus was tough. Not just tough in his words, but he was a tough man. They, they think he's like this milquetoast dude that's like got no strength, no backbone. He, he's a real leader. And today, most society is not looking for a real leader, but we need them more than ever. We need real leaders that will be tough. Tough on the devil. Now, and understand Jesus never, remember where it says, I was even reading it the other night, be gentle, be humble, right? You realize this is still gentle and humble? You know why? Because he's saying, look, it's going to be a lot less gentle if you leave this in your life. I'm giving you the way out. Your flesh might not like it. I'm being gentle to your spirit, but on your flesh, I'm, I'm, I'm attacking that fleshly thinking because it's going, the wages of that thinking is death. So see, that's gentleness and humility, but people, they're like, they think, they just see it on the surface level all the time. Well, those were tough words. You shouldn't talk to me like that. Maybe you should read your Bible a little bit more, right? 
We need some tough leaders. This is a good session today. Y'all might want to share this. Amen. Glory to God. I might want to share it. Here's humility. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is an all-in, sold-out statement. This is it. Peter's saying, look, you're why I do everything that I do. Where are we going to go? We're going to go somewhere where they, where they just tickle our flesh? Where they just leave this stuff so that it can turn around and multiply into death in our lives? Are we going to go somewhere that challenges us to be the Christians we're called to be? And says, look, humble yourselves to what God has said and grow up. That's humility. We need to be, you know, he, Jesus, and his kingdom is why I do everything that I do. That's, that's it. Now, we need to do it. I found, though, that most people reserve that call to ministers forgetting that their main job is an ambassador. See, that's not humility. That's pride. That's saying, no, I don't have to live like that. You live like that. Recently, I had somebody say, they said, I was talking to them about just living this life. And they're like, it's, yeah, that's tough. And I could tell in their speech, they had no revelation that they could live like that. And they're a believer. And now you see why the world's in the shape that it is. Because believers aren't believing who they actually are. And they're not willing to step out and, and put this thing into practice. It's just theory. They relegate that level of, of living a Christ-like life to the leaders, to the pastors, to the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, instead of picking it up and saying, he's talking to me. See, that's humility. Generally, things that we have lingering you know, in us, what's left here, you've handled all the easy stuff. <laughs> the stuff that you were good with changing, you've handled all that. Generally, the only thing that's left down here is things that you've put off. <laughs> I don't want to grow in patience. I don't want to grow in humility. You've put off the hard things. Now it's time to tackle them, go after them. Jesus will empower you, right? Here, I, I'll just read this. It's not that I or Jesus don't want you to enjoy things. He and I, I'm, as I'm saying this to you, I agree with this. I want your joy to be complete. But that level of joy does not happen in disobedience or in pride. Your joy can't be complete. In pride, but in obedience to humility. The flesh says, I want to do what I want. And then the flesh says, I want to do what I want. And then it points at the finger at everything else that's godly. Have you ever noticed that? What gets the, it's constant. What gets, what gets the blame most of the time by your flesh? Everything godly that you should be doing. Uh, that's it. It's causing me problems. No, it's not causing you problems. That actually is helping you. But the flesh says, I want to do what I want. Then it points the finger at everything godly as the source that takes the flesh happiness. In other words, it's like, you're not letting me sin. You're not letting me. And see, the pleasures of sin are for a season. That church won't let me sin. That's really what's happening. That pastor, he won't let me just go out and drink and smoke and cuss. And I just want to have a little bit of fun. That's the flesh going. Everything godly is causing me not to have fun and my joy to be gone. No, 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 no. Your joy not being gone is because you're willing, you're humbling yourself to the world. The word says this, that we're not to take any part with the world. Any part with the world or its ways. We're supposed to make God everything. I just, 
In Matthew, we're not going to read this. Matthew 7, enter in through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there's many that enter in. That's Matthew 7, 13. Then it goes on to say, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Or it, it gives that approach because then it says the house on the sand and the house on the rock. Both of them can be Christians. One did what God said and one didn't. The one who didn't fell with a loud crash. And the one who was obedient, they humbled themselves to the word of the Lord and they put down the flesh. It stood in the storm. You are designed to stand in the storm. Not only to stand, but to flourish. But that only happens through humility. I think we'll finish up uh, tomorrow on humility. But letting it, right now, let's just pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Lord, I just thank you right now. Lord, I, me personally, each and every one of us, Lord, we just repent. We repent. We say, Lord, forgive us for areas that we have chosen to walk in pride, areas where we have been in opposition to your will in not being in obedience to what you have for us. Lord, we repent. We are sorry. Lord, help me not to exalt my flesh any longer. Help me to see the areas where, where I have opposed you, areas maybe where I've not seen clearly or I've been taught wrong or areas where I've simply not wanted to change. Lord, I come to you and I ask you, Lord, right now, help me to see clearly. Help me to see through your word and through teaching and through others to see the truth in situations in my own life. Help me to see what you have for me, Lord, because I want your rest. I want to enter into your promises. I want to draw closer to you, Lord. Help us to draw closer to you, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it on our own, not in our strength. Lord, we need you. We need each other. We need to walk in your ways. We need to walk in humility. I thank you, Jesus, that your promises are true. Your promises are for each and every one of us. Lord, I come against fear right now in the name of Jesus. Fear that says it's going to be too hard. Fear that says I'm not going to be able to do it. Fear that says I'm just, I just don't want to give that up. We come against that fear in the name of Jesus. And I thank you right now for faith rising up. Your faith, Lord, coming up, stirring up in our hearts. Lord, that we are going to take those steps. Maybe we're not going to take 10, but we're going to take one. And I'm going to say, Lord, I can do it through you. By your strength, I can do this. Lord, then I'm going to take the next one. And I'm going to say, Jesus, help me. I don't know how to take the next one, but I'm going to depend upon you. Help us to take those steps, Lord. And if we don't know how to even take the first one, help us to be humble enough to ask lord i thank you that you have good things for your kids good things for your kids lord lord you are an amazing father you are an amazing daddy lord we love you so much we love you so much jesus thank you father for the ability to walk in humility through you thank you jesus for your yoke. Thank you for easy and light. Thank you for being able, for us being able to cast our cares on you. Thank you, Lord, that you have provided a way of escape. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us triumph. Thank you, Lord, that you've empowered us by grace to be obedient, to live sin-free lives in you, Lord. Without you, we didn't have a hope. We need you. We want you. Father, by faith, we have you, Jesus, and we thank you. Glory to God. Lord, we don't want to be in opposition to you ever again. We don't ever want to be in opposition to you again, ever. We don't ever want to be in opposition to you again. Lord, so let us step into humility. If we're not in humility, we're in pride. If we're not in humility, we're in opposition. Lord, let us never be there again, but let us walk in that humility. Lord, let us look and see the areas where we're missing it. Thank you, Father, for giving us indicators and symptoms of not being in humility, Lord. Thank you for showing us that if it's heavy, if it's hard, and not 
not easy and light. There's a symptom that something's wrong, either in my knowledge or, Lord, there's something there that, I, uh, that I'm doing that I'm being disobedient in or I don't know about. Lord, thank you for giving us those indicators so we can continue to grow in you, Lord. We just humble ourselves to you and we say, Lord, we open up our, our lives. Holy Spirit, shine your light in our lives. And Lord, we will judge ourselves so that we're not judged. We praise you for it and we thank you for it, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you all so much for joining us. If you'd like to give today, just click the link online. And uh, if you're here, you're welcome to give into the basket. Whether you're giving online or here, in the name of Jesus, we receive these in love to build your kingdom, Father. We receive them on your behalf. And because we're receiving them on your behalf, now, in the name of Jesus, let everything that's given be pressed down, shaken together, and running over into their lives, Father. Exponentially multiply the seed into a supernatural harvest for them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you all for being here today. Thank you for being with us. We love you. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.